Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and we are going to go right to the phones if I can find the right button. I haven't been in the studio much lately. They're retraining me. Um, And we're going to be joined by one of our all-time great contributors who's been with us for many, many years and someone I hesitate hesitate to say such good things about, but it's hard not to, Nate Zolinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. I appreciate that. How are you today? I'm doing great. You know, we're going to talk some hunting, but before we do that, there's a fish that's, the I think, the number one game fish in Europe that gets a little scorned here sometime, but anybody <laughs> that hasn't fished for these giants and the way they can pull your string and the fun you can have is really missing out, and you're having a tournament for those fish today. Tell us about it. I am, Terry. You know, I'm down here at Clement Park, which is Johnson's Reservoir right here in Littleton, kind of the southwest corner of town, and this is our first Don't Bash the Trash Carp Series uh, of the year, and I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a very dedicated tournament just to support the species of carp, so we're seeing common carp, seeing a few mirrors, which is just a kind of a genetic uh, spinoff of a common, um, and then we also count uh, grass carp in this event, but this is literally a tournament built around carp, uh, and I'll tell you what, we have got some amazing sticks here, and it's kind of crazy because you know we're doing doing these carp tournaments it's a european style of angling so uh essentially it's kind of a, a form of bait fishing for carp but it is by far more advanced i think than anybody would, would think if you're in the carp game you understand if not you know people think carp and they think you know putting a, a worm on the bottom or throwing a piece of corn on the bottom which the carp no doubt will take but i mean these guys have got sophisticated sophisticated rigs and you know we're at a rules meeting this morning and guys got here at 4 a.m and the rules meeting is at five and i'm listening to these guys talk about how they're going to approach uh you know fishing in weed fishing in a muddy bottom and they're talking about their rigs and it's almost like they're they're talking in a foreign language it, it's so advanced and you know hey we're going to take a, a zig rig and we're going to you know tweak it with this and it, it's unbelievable the, the the rigs that these guys are using and it, it's a very advanced sport to be extremely successful with them uh and it's all taking place right here and we have uh we have multiple i think we have four anglers that uh that you know call home of europe uh so I mean, these guys are straight european anglers um and, and they're here to battle it out so we got some amazing anglers and so far we were hoping we were going to have a high catch rate uh we've had this event for four years uh last year this was our highest catch rate event ever we had more fish caught here than any of our other carp series and so far today right now as of you know 11 o'clock We've got 59 carp landed so far. So we are continuing that streak of extreme numbers and, and great quality fish. So the fishing's great, uh, and it's exciting to be here today. Well, it really is. People need to come down and look. A couple things I want to really reiterate is uh, so many of us release a huge number of the fish we catch, and a lot of people have never had a bigger fish on the line. They wouldn't know what to do if they caught a big brown or a, <laughs> or a big walleye or a big bass. Um, fishing for these carp will give you that experience because they they fight like nothing else. They are strong and powerful and try to pick one up sometime and hold it. I'll tell you what, (laughs) my first time doing a carp fishing TV show, I was dropping more fish than I was holding on to. You learn, but boy, I'll tell you what, there's, there's something else. But the, and then the reason to come down and watch the tournament today is you're going to see these techniques and see the size of these fish and the way they pull. And it's going to get you excited, Nate. 
I mean, that's it. You know, Terry, even even if you are a person who eats fish, most of the trophy fish you catch, you know, whether you eat some small walleye, when you get a big walleye, you usually throw it back. You know, you eat some small lake trout, when you get a big one, you throw it back. Of all the species, as an angling community, we tend to throw back those larger fish to, you know, kind of sustain the breeding stock of the lake. And there's no different with carp. So, again, if you're going to be throwing stuff back, you might as well be carping because, number one, you're going to have a lot more availability of places to fish. I mean, if you have a pond near your house, you know, the chances of it being a, a really premium bass fishery or trout fishery is probably a little slimmer. The chance that it's a really premium carp fishery, probably a decent chance at it. So there's a lot of opportunity for these fish. And I'll tell you what, we, we talk about bringing youth into the sport. You want to see a young angler smile, you put a carp on the end of the line. You know, they hook a bluegill, hook a trout, and uh, there's no doubt it's exciting, but it's exciting for, you know, 20 seconds or a minute. You hook into a giant carp, and it's exciting for a while. And uh, it, it's just a, it's a great underutilized sport fish. Um, and I'll tell you, we're highlighting it here. So, yeah, if you want to come down on weigh-in, uh, these guys are fishing until 2 p.m. Uh, so about 2.30 will be our award ceremony. And we're located, at, again, it's at Clement Park, and our stage is set up just east of the library, right there on the, on the north side of Clement Park. Uh, and the anglers are out fishing now. So if you want to come here, there's a nice path around the entire lake. You can walk around and talk to these anglers, see these anglers, um, you know, and, and again, you're going to see some, some amazing techniques and uh, some great, you know, tips for how you would catch carp at a, at a fishery near you, for sure. You're absolutely right, and it's fun, and get down there, and I've been seriously carp fishing for about 20 years, not that I seriously catch them, because they are very <laughs> smart, but um, I've caught them off and on, but they're just tremendous. Nate, while we've still got time left, you and I know that, a successful hunt starts, well, it should have started much earlier than this, but to increase your odds of success, your preparation has to be underway. Talk to me about where we should be and what you're doing on the hunting side. Absolutely. You know, I'm starting to put a major focus on elk. So, you know, where we're sitting right now, archery pronghorn, uh, which is usually, you know, other than sheep and goat in a few of those seasons, you know, the archery pronghorn is going to be the, the first really major season that we have here in Colorado. And that's going to start the 15th of August. So we are literally, you know, just over two weeks away from that season starting. And to be honest, I've been doing a lot of scouting for them already, and I'm already making a few tweaks. So, you know, I have blinds set up on water holes. And obviously this year we have a lot of water, so I'm doing little tweaks. The water holes that aren't producing, I'm changing. I have a couple blinds out where I have, you know, very in particular pronghorn that are scared of the blinds. So I've actually removed some blinds. So I'm in the final process of tweaking little things for my upcoming pronghorn hunt. And then more than anything, I am in full-blown elk scouting mode. Uh, so with that being said, I'm in kind of all phases of it. I'm still doing a lot of long-range glassing. So I'm you know low in a valley looking up or I'm high in a mountaintop looking down. Uh, I'm, I'm really scouting out these animals. I'm watching them. Uh, you know, coming up here in right around 10 days, we're going to be losing that velvet. That testosterone is going to kick in, and that's really the signs of it all starting to happen. So, uh, again, I am full-blown watching. We're scouting these animals out. We're also now putting our, our kind of boots, you know, in the ground a little further, and we're starting to set up some trail cameras. So we're really starting to watch which water holes these animals hit. Now, obviously, they, they drink and they utilize water, you know, almost on a daily basis during the heat of it. But as the bulls start feeling that testosterone, that's when they're going to start wallowing more. So instead of just drinking, you're really going to see these animals rolling around. They're going 
they increase their daily activity as that testosterone flows. So as that happens, again, I'm putting more trail cameras on water, really watching the patterns to know the timing of when they drink, when they go into bedding. Again, I'm just trying to build all the little time slots to where I know where they're going to be at a certain time to where I can make educated decisions in the woods. So right now, today, I'm tweaking my antelope approach. Again, hopefully everybody has already been scouting. If not, get out there and scout. But animals are a very cautious animal. Again, whether you want to call them extremely smart, extremely scared, whatever the, the word or terminology you're using, uh, they are cautious. So again, I'm tweaking my blinds. I'm getting rid of anything that's shiny. I'm, I'm finalizing my approach of how I'm going to get into my blind. Um, so I'm tweaking my pronghorn stuff because I've been scouting them. And then elk, again, we're fine-tuning the timing, when they're going into beds, when they're drinking. And that's really where you should be with your big game scouting right now. Same thing with our, our mule deer, especially the mountain mule deer. Um, these animals are where they're going to be at least for about the first 10 days of the season. Now, if you are a, a mule deer hunter, you know that once they lose their velvet in early September, the whole game changes. These animals have been in a pattern for a while now. They continue in that pattern. I'll tell you, the second they rub that velvet, everything changes a little bit. So as a mule deer hunter, we really try to have success in that first, you know, seven to 10 days of that season. So we're scouting those animals as well. We're watching those patterns, watching where they bed. We're looking for areas of approach, you know, so I'm really trying to select here where I know, hey, this, this whole drainage offers really good approaches. So I can watch them in the, the morning. I can bed them down. I can sneak up and make my approach, you know, midday when they're bedded. So some of these animals are out in the open. They're a harder animal to hunt. So I'm trying to find them in areas that are conducive to bow hunting. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at in the big game. It's, it's really more so than just scouting and finding animals. We're down to individual animal behavior to, to have all of the questions answered to make our hunt easier when we start hunting here, uh, you know, anywhere from the next two weeks to about a month uh, when everything gets underway here in Colorado. Well, one of the things I want to come, first of all, when we uh, talk to the folks from Colorado Clays here in a little bit, we're going to talk about getting ready for the rifle and shotgun seasons because you need to be practicing right now. But that's so true with archery. And I think too many guys spend a lot of time on just the static courses. A number of the parks in Colorado have these 3D courses, and I want to get your input. But I feel that before you get out in the hunt, you have to shoot some of that 3D so you get the different angles and things. Absolutely. And I think more than anything, more than angle. I mean, angles, obviously, everybody followed me on my sheep hunt last year. The angles were were a massive contributor to, to, a, to a really difficult hunt. Uh, so shooting angles is huge, knowing what that the flight of that arrow is going to do. And more importantly, everybody goes to the range. They're in normal clothes. You know, every time I go to the range, I see guys in shorts and a T-shirt, you know, and they're shooting the same 20, 30, 40 yards. Shooting 3D, number one, you're going to shoot some angles, which is huge. You're going to shoot through obstacles, whether it's from a blind, shooting from elevated. But you're going to be in a more of a hunting situation, awkward feet, awkward distance. And that's really going to be a big point player to help you learn what to shoot in. Uh, and one of the biggest things I think is a lot of us shoot at a, a normal target. And let's say 90% of our arrows are good. We always get that one flyer. And now when we hit a target and we're off by eight inches, we tell ourselves, yeah, that's still in the kill zone. That's still good. 
when you shoot 3D and you can actually see where the shoulder blade is, you can actually see when you're outside of those lungs. All of a sudden, it puts into perspective on, on a, you know, shooting a group of arrows of five arrows or ten arrows. You can truly see what is going to be that vital shot and which is not going to be that vital shot. And I think that's one of the biggest things is, again, at, at a range, you get a couple flyers. And you're like, yeah, that's okay. I think that was still in there. When you shoot 3D, you can actually, you know, visualize that was a real animal where that arrow would have actually hit and would have actually done to that animal. And it will pause you and force you to start tightening up those groups and putting a little more focus on that. Uh, so I think shooting 3D is a very, very vital portion um, of getting ready for that. Because, again, when I shoot at – I have a whole, whole 3D range right at my home, and the biggest thing I do is I never shoot a common number. Everything is shooting 26 yards, shooting 55 yards, you know, 72. I try not to ever shoot what my pin's actually dialed in for because if you get the habit of that – then all of a sudden that animal is not at that common number. It just makes you come unglued. You want to make sure that without a beat, you range swing that animal at 43 yards, you know exactly what to do with that pin. You know how high or low to float it. Um, and you, you, know, you can create that instant success uh, to know what's going to do. But if all of a sudden you don't shoot those odd numbers, it can throw you off. So, again, everything is in full swing. And whatever reason, causing a – a little bit colder spring per se. I think a lot of people are behind and they're like, oh, the weather's just getting hot. It's midsummer. And I think fall is sneaking up on more people a little little sooner than they think. Um, again, I know it doesn't really necessarily feel like it's that time of year, but it is. So, again, if you're uh, kind of caught up in the summer, caught up in the heat, everything being kind of late, uh, hunting season is around the corner. So be prepared. And while we have a second left, I have to give a huge shout out just real quick to the CWA. We had them on a couple weeks ago, but their kids' event is this coming. Saturday at Lake Lehigh. It starts at 10 a.m. Um, I know we're out of time, but again, you got to check this out. CWA is doing a lot for kids. You can go to the Colorado Walleye Association uh, website or Facebook page. Uh, it's all at CWA there, uh, and you can check this out. But again, they have a kids event next Saturday. We'd love to see them, you know, taking part in the community and really pulling out the association side of their uh, their club. Uh, so again, just a big shout out to CWA for doing that kids event. You can go to their website or Facebook page and get involved in this kids event next Saturday, and it starts at 10 a.m. at Lake Lehigh. Uh, which is right there at Waterton Canyon. All right, 30 seconds. Tomorrow's supposed to be one of the most beautiful days of the last two weeks. You could One place you could go fishing, where would you go? You know, I know we, we talk about the same lakes and people get burned out, but I'll tell you, I spent, uh, I spent 14 hours on the water yesterday at Spinney. The day before, I spent a bunch of time at Spinney. Right now, there's a shallow water rainbow trout bite fishing four to six foot of water, burning bait, you know, crankbait, spoons, jigs. Um, and we are just pounding giant rainbows. I didn't see a rainbow yesterday under 20 inches. We also got pike yesterday, huge pike, fishing the 40-inch range. Um, so between the pike and the trout, you cannot go wrong at Spinning Mountain Reservoir. So that would be, hands down, my location of choice uh, of getting on the water tomorrow. All right, my friend, we do have to go, but we will talk to you again soon. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski. By the way, 3D bow ranges, go to Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Check it out. They have a number of parks that have 3D ranges. Use them. You'll be glad you did. We're going to have Chad LaChance join us after this time out on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. All right, Dire Straits. We can let Chad make wait a minute while we listen to this. We've got to hear the guitar riffs. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan, and we will go to the phones because one of our favorite longtime contributors is waiting to talk to us, Chad LaChance. Good morning, Chad. 
Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm doing well. You know, I just was thinking of something. I was uh, talking to uh, Kyle at the board and said, who's coming on after us? And he said, it's going to be Mike Evans and DMAC. Well, DMAC started on this station by doing the Saturday show after this show, which has been on for like, I think there wasn't even radio when we started. Uh, they had to listen through a tin can <laughs> or something. But then the very first time that I didn't host the show, that we had a fill-in host, which people think that's all we have now. But but the very first time uh, you teamed up with Mike Evans to be the very first fill-in host when I was gone. I can't remember where I was at the time. But to f- do this show, and gosh, how long ago was that? Man, that was – it's a long time. I don't know exactly. I've thought about that a few times too. But if I remember correctly, it was about 2004 that I started being a guest, or maybe 2005 that I started being a guest. So, And I know it wasn't very long after that. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's more than a decade, I'm sure, of that. Oh, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> it's kind of fun to reminisce. <laughs> but a lot going on. I, I want to get to maybe a couple things that I cast – and a couple things, uh, what you're seeing up in the waters you fish. But before we do that, you have an event. Why don't you tell people what you're doing this evening, then we'll, ta- we'll hit it again at the end of the segment. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Terry. We, uh, I'll be at Horsetooth Reservoir at South Bay, uh, which is the main entrance to the park at the Campers Pavilion. Not the main South Bay Pavilion, but the Campers Pavilion at the way south end of the lake. And uh, at 8 o'clock tonight, Larimer County Department of Natural Resources, uh, they do a, what they call a campfire chat every Saturday night. And it starts at 8 o'clock. And, uh, and I'm hosting that one tonight. There'll be a campfire. Uh, they set that all up. we got a little pavilion in case it's raining like it happens to be right now at Horsetooth. And, uh, and we're going to talk about the Horsetooth Reservoir Fishing. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Carter Lake as well, but it's really going to be talking about reservoir fishing. It's kind of a 101 level deal because we do expect mostly to have campers there, folks that are already in the campsites. But if not, we'd love to have people come up. You do have to get in the park. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, how the lake's fishing right now, what, what we're kind of doing for the rest of the year, what I would expect, and just a, a kind of a one-on-one deal. These tend to be very, very informal, and uh, they're meant to be like a campfire chat. So uh, I tell people to bring questions, and I'll tailor it straight to the crowd. As you know, I've been fishing here for a long time, and I can do this by the seat of my pants. So when we, when we get there, if I've got some experts there, we'll try to work towards them. If I've got a bunch of kids, we'll work towards that. But the bottom line is we're going to try to get people lined out on, on Horsetooth Reservoir and, and a little bit of Carter Lake as well. And uh, and I can tell you this year has been extremely unique up here, so it ought to be an interesting conversation. Well, I, I, I want to even uh, take that a little bit further. First of all, we've got high water levels everywhere in the state, and Horsetooth and Carter are no exception to that. But Horsetooth and Carter, I wrote an article in my uh, column in the Denver Post, uh, gosh, many, many, uh, not many, but a few years ago, and talked about the uniqueness of what great fisheries Horsetooth and Carter are, but how different they are to fish. Because, you know, people try to compare, as you well know, lakes and reservoirs and other types of fisheries, but unless you understand the makeup of the forage, the water level fluctuations, the makeup of the predator fish and how they interact, those two reservoirs can be extremely different to approach. Well, yeah, I mean, a, a, a fundamental reservoir has a river that flows in one end and a dam at the other end and typically some sort of an impoundment in between. Well, both Horsetooth and Carter have neither of those. I mean, they have, Horsetooth has four different dams because it's not a natural watershed in the first place. So they just plugged a bunch of holes in the hogback and filled it up with water. And then the water's coming underground through a pipe from the western slope, same with Carter Lake. And so 
you know, it, it dumps out of a pipe that's been, been underground for a long time. The water here is dang near sterile by the time it gets here, so it doesn't have the normal nutrient flush that, that a reservoir, you know, like a, maybe a Pueblo or a Chatfield would have, where you've got a, an Arkansas River or a Platte River respectively running into them. Uh, totally different deal when you deal with either Carter or Horsetooth. And Carter's even weirder because the water boils out of the bottom of the lake. So, you know, it fills from the bottom, which is really strange. So, yeah, these two reservoirs will keep you honest for sure as an angler. Uh, and especially guys from your neck of the woods like that are used to fishing natural lakes get here and really struggle with this with a place like this because there is really just really nothing natural about it at all. And just, just to top it off and really keep us honest, this year uh, I've lived on this lake for 15 years, literally overlooking the lake. And this is the first time in that entire time frame where I've seen the lake rising at the end of July. And, uh, and that is really strange. It's full and then some right now. And it's been moving up and down a foot or so over the last week. And it's, I mean, there's still 400 plus CFS water running into the lake right now in July. And that is extremely rare. Now, before I, I was going to talk more fishing, but I want to touch on, and maybe I'll get you back on, or you might be coming on to be one of those fill-in hosts we talked about soon. We're working on some things. But we were both at ICAST just a couple weeks ago, and uh, I want to ask you if there's anything that jumped out at you. Then I want to talk about what I thought was the biggest buzz down there were the new trolling motors. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Um, the new trolling motors, I mean, for, for decades, right? I mean, we've had two choices when it comes to trolling motors, and, uh, and now all of a sudden we have four. And from what I'm told, there's two more coming next year. So all of a sudden, everyone's figured out that there's got to be a better way to build a trolling motor. And I've said that forever. Uh, you know, the trolling motor is the most important tool on the boat. If somebody says, for me, if someone says, hey, you can have a brand-new fancy sonar GPS unit or a trolling motor, I'm going for the trolling motor every time because boat control catches you more fish. And uh, and these days, with the, with the new trolling motors coming out, I think they were the biggest buzz of the show for sure. I got in the boat and actually drove them, didn't just look at them. They had boats in the water. You could drive them. Uh, I think we're folks are going to be surprised. I think the brushless motor technology will take off throughout the trolling motors from other folks as well. So, so quiet, so many, so much fewer moving parts, um, just a really, really slick system. But that was probably the biggest buzz. I was happy to see there's a, a basically a reinvestment in gold coming. Uh, lots and lots more gulp stuff coming. I'm psyched about that. And uh, as a, as a gulp junkie, as you know, uh, and I know you are as well. At times, it's it's uh, it's great to see that they've reinvested in that. But otherwise, I think the industry was just very positive all the way around. Everybody was in a good mood. People are making money. Um, you know, there's a lot of people fishing, and I think that works out. I talked to the folks at the 6060 initiative where they're trying to get 60 million anglers in 60 months, and that seems to be going well. So the, the you know there's people out fishing, and that's uh, that's good to see. You know, I want to make a quick comment, and I know that the guys from Colorado Clays are waiting to come on and great people, but I want to make a couple comments. First of all, talked about the new trolling motors. I remember back when I was fishing some major tournament circuits, and a lot of times at seminars and things, I'd get asked, and I was writing for Fisherman at the time, too. They'd say, what separates the, the professional or the advanced angler from the weekend guy who really has a lot of knowledge? And I said, at that time, and it holds true now, the number one thing I said was boat control. They don't stay yep. on the spot. They don't stay where they're trying to fish. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with that. And I, you know, I think that as a fishing guide is one one of the things that you really. It's a great practice. That's why fifteen years of being a 
fishing guide because you spend so much time controlling your boat, setting your boat up so other people can catch fish out of it. But I've written whole articles. In fact, my current issue of Sportsman's News Magazine column is on control and why it's the most important aspect and, and boat control being the number one part of that. So I agree with that 100%. You know, Kevin Van Dam, the best of all time, Bastardsman said, why do you, they asked him why he had a 112-pound trolling motor. He said, because they don't make 125. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that, that tells you. But I want, we've got to go, but the, the thing that I'd never even dreamt about that I w- use probably more than I do any other thing is my spot lock. Yeah, absolutely. And and having a GPS anchor like that, very, very, very important. Uh, I drive sometimes with remote control, sometimes with a foot pedal. These days you have both options and still have the feel that you had, whereas historically you didn't have that. Now it still drives just like a cable steer, but I can also remote control it. I can hit a waypoint on my graph and my motor will take me to it. So, uh, pretty slick and i live and die by the spot lock as well and uh you know we use it all the time we're over time but where will you be tonight eight o'clock south bay uh, of horsetooth reservoir 8 p.m it'll go from eight to nine campsite or uh excuse me uh, campfire chat and people can go to our social media at fishful tanker and look up some more details or at larimer.org but 8 p.m this evening south bay campers pavilion all right we will talk to you soon my friend all right thanks terry chad lachance we're gonna take a quick time out when we come back the Colorado Clays guys are going to join us, and we're going to talk about getting ready with those shotguns and rifles right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go right to the phones. And uh, joining us from Colorado Clays is going to be, I forget his name. He's kind of a, well, I don't know, he's a good guy, I guess, but he's always bragging about these big fish he catches. J.R. Pierce, good morning, J.R. Good morning to you as well, Terry. It is really great to talk to you. I really have to make a comment, a very positive comment about Colorado Clays. We've been talking a lot today about getting ready for hunting seasons. And, you know, most hunters don't just hunt one species. They don't just hunt big game. They hunt ducks or they hunt upland game or they uh, they do a combination of different things. And we were talking about the archery part of it. But, boy, if you're not out shooting your firearms right now, you're going to be behind the curve. And Colorado Clays is one of the few places I know of where you can practice all the disciplines. Well, Terry, you bring up a really good point. And, uh, you know, this is one of the kind of commonly asked things from us. So for nearly 23 years, uh, Colorado Clays, we've been providing Colorado with, of course, the finest public access shooting opportunities, which include our rifle, pistol, trap, skeet, sporting clays, and wobble trap. So no matter what shooting opportunity you're looking for, whether it is practicing and preparing for those hunting seasons, uh, maybe you like some competition, or you know, if you want to hold or participate in a corporate or fundraising event, or simply just want to do some recreational shooting, uh, Colorado Clays certainly has you covered with the best ranges, courses, staff, and systems in the industry. And one of those systems, uh, Terry, is our check-in process. And this is one that people uh, really ask a lot about and get worried about, but it's so simple. I mean, you just drive to Colorado Clays, which we all know is an easy drive from anywhere in the metro area and front range. Check in at the clubhouse. We'll sign some waivers. Tell us what you want to do. And then our range staff will have you shooting in literally no time at all. And if you're a beginner or maybe you've never shot before or could use some instruction, maybe you need to rent some equipment uh, to get started, just simply call and schedule a time with one of us, and we'll get you started in a safe, comfortable, and 
informative atmosphere here at Colorado's premier uh, public facility. And, you know, last time I talked to Austin about our uh, rifle and pistol, Terry, and that's one uh, I think I should touch on real quick here. Uh, of course, it's, you know, Colorado Clays are always a great place to come do some recreational pistol and rifle shooting, but we do have one of the very finest NRA-approved. It's a state-of-the-art range and extremely user-friendly. And with that target viewing system, camera on the target, monitor in the bay, it's real-time sight-in. And, of course, we are staffed by the top range officers in the entire industry. So I recommend everybody get an early start, uh, get dialed in for those seasons because they're coming fast. Well, one of the things about your rifle and pistol range, and I'm going to concentrate on the rifle right now because uh, my mantra is always don't get ready for hunting, stay ready, okay? That means you shoot your gun on a year-round basis, so if there's anything wrong with it, shows up long before hunting season, you get it fixed, that you stay comfortable, you're not relearning things. But one of the things, we talked about the 3D archery earlier and how you have to shoot from different positions and different angles. You're one of the few ranges where you can shoot prone, you can shoot sitting, you can shoot on sticks, you can even shoot a muzzle loader. You guys really allow for different types of shooting on your rifle range. Yeah, Terry, it's going to be hard to find a range that's more all-encompassing for any uh, practice you might need for those seasons. And even if it's just uh, to stay, like you said, in in touch with your gun and stuff. But we talked last time there, and not only your equipment as your gun, but your scope, your eye relief, um, different magnifications, uh, getting tools ready for field repairs, um, and, and just your gun case, having that ready to go. And then, of course, there's always the familiarity, the no-look familiarity with your gun. A guy needs to be able to reach down, uh, run his safety, work his bolt, everything without having to stare it down. And uh, these are just a handful of things. And, of course, at Colorado Clays, all the shooting positions are available. And, and we've talked about this many times, Terry, where those clothes you're going to be using hunting. Uh, things change when you're in a T-shirt uh, compared to a down jacket. Oh, you know, shoot both ways. I mean, well, at this time of the year, it may be a little warm, but bring them out and shoot both ways. Now, I want to change up a little bit. On my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, the middle of this week, I reran an article on getting ready for hunting. Uh, that I ran last year on my Denver Post column, and it kind of featured you guys out of Colorado Clays. And I started it out by talking dove hunting, which is going to be on us sooner than than we can even count. And I know there's a particular person at your range who thinks that that date is Christmas, uh, that dove hunting season is better than Christmas. But but um, I made the comment that dove hunting is a conspiracy by the ammunition manufacturers to sell more shells well that's especially true you know in all honesty getting serious for a minute too many people use dove season as a tune-up for the other upland game where dove season can be very successful if you come in and practice the right kind of shotgunning before it starts isn't that right absolutely terry you know uh, Austin had some really interesting statistics on how many shells the average hunter shoots for each dovey harvest and, of course, I was curious to see how accurate you thought those were. But uh, I think we've proven over the years, Terry, that um, a trip or two to Colorado Clays can really Wait, wait, change. wait a minute. You said people <laughs> actually hit doves? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's where I was going with it. That's what you know, I thought. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we really have proven, Terry, just a couple trips could get you informed. And let me tell you a couple more reasons why Colorado Clays is the place to go. So whether you are – 
a beginner or experience, sometimes the first thing a person needs to confirm is that, hey, am I shooting where I'm looking or aiming? Well, we have that pattern board, 20 to 50 yards. That is a priceless tool because not only will you know that your gun is hitting where you're aiming, but maybe your choke and ammo choice combinations and densities and stuff. So getting that right off the bat is a huge confidence builder. And then, of course, you can go right into our training trap, which normally that's beginners and lessons, but it's a great place to confirm what you learned on the pattern board. And then, of course, trap is a fun game, uh, very popular, no matter what, for anybody to come do. But it's the perfect place to work on shooting fundamentals, you know, before you move on to more advanced and diverse target presentations. So the repetitions on stance, gun mount, your sight picture, reaction, lead, follow-through, and all those are just really priceless in getting those harvest numbers and percentages up. And then, you know, Terry, uh, Dove is first, but on the note of Upland, we've talked about this uh, wobble and skeet field we have. They're both fun games on their own, but when you have a skeet field with a wobble trap overlay, overlay like we have here at Colorado Clays, you can literally simulate and practice almost any Upland game bird flush you'll encounter, and that includes all different speeds, angles, and distances, which are really the factors that determine your lead on any target. So everyone should absolutely take advantage of that amazing tool. And then last, our sporting clays is without a doubt our most popular game uh, with that multitude of different targets, types, and trajectories um, with a 15-station course down on the creek bottom. It's as close to a hunting trip as you can get for practice and just truly enjoyable to anyone who enjoys shotgun shooting. We are out of time, my friend. Tell them how they find you. Uh, ColoradoClays.com. Certainly take the virtual tour if you haven't been to our facility or give us a call, 303-659-7117. All right, and I will hit a dove. We'll talk Uh, to you soon. (laughs) All right, thanks, Terry. Thanks, JR from uh, Colorado Clays. Quick time out, and we're going to take you to Dillon Reservoir, which is evolving back into a really premier fisherman fishing a fishery here on in Colorado. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a 104.3 The Fan. You get a shiver in the dark, it's More dire straits. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go right to the phones because I want to spend some time on this. Uh, joining us from Dillon Reservoir is Randy Ford. And before I uh, bring Randy up. I want to give you a little bit of background. Uh, Dillon Reservoir has gone through some tremendous transformations over the last few, several years. We're not going to have time to spend a lot of time on how it got here because I want to focus more on where it's at. But uh, Randy has been an advocate for that lake. He has worked hard to see them improve the species that go in it. Uh, Dillon's a bit of a sterile lake. It's been tough, but we are seeing some. it turn into an absolutely wonderful fishery with some really unique opportunities uh, if you want to get the full background, I did an article in the Denver Post a couple years ago. If you go to the Denver Post and Google my uh, my name and Dylan Reservoir, I'm sure that article will come up along with a podcast with Randy. And Randy, uh, one of the things I really love about having you on is the way you give so much of your time to beginning, young, and inexperienced anglers to help them enjoy the outdoors. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Terry. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, you always, um, in fact, during the summer, you pretty much focus on those family trips. But, um, in fact, let's talk Dillon Reservoir. It's gone through a history. It's, it's been tough because of the, the lack of some of the bug life and then the mice and shrimp. Has that been what's caused the issues over the years? 
Yeah, you know, um, just like you said, Terry, it's real, real clean water coming in. Um, you know, above Dillon, Dillon Reservoir, you've got springs and you've got uh, mountain, uh, you know, snow runoff from from the winter. There isn't uh, any farms or, excuse me, ranches or anything like that that can help put nutrients into that water coming down the rivers. So, yeah, it's just super clear, super clean water coming in. It doesn't carry a lot of the uh, lower end of the food chain. So um, because of that, your, your, uh, your smaller fish here, your hatchlings and fingerlings, um, it's hard for them to find forage. And so um, your fish that, do, that are native to the reservoir that, that do hatch here, um, definitely grow pretty slow. It takes them a while to get big enough to where they can start taking advantage of, of some of the other forage, like the micey shrimp you mentioned, as well as, uh, you know, other small fish in the lake. Well, let's talk about the current state of the lake. And one of the fish that was been recently stocked over the last several years that has dur- turned into a unique opportunity, and of course it varies by year, and you were very instrumental in pushing for it, is the Arctic char. Tell us the status of the Arctic char, even though right now may not be the very best time to fish. Tell us about the Arctic char and what opportunities they bring. Yeah, you know, it's been pretty neat. Um, we're definitely seeing, uh, since they've, they've uh, put the second effort of, of getting the char to take off in here, um, we're definitely seeing that they are naturally reproducing and they're growing and that they're eating mices and they are curbing the mices population. So um, it's nothing that's, that's happening very fast. It's definitely taken some time. But we're now in a state to where you can go out and target those Arctic char and, and, you know, your average size is in that 12 to 14 inch range. And a 12 to 14 inch char puts up a nice, nice fight and, um, you know, is a, is a great angling opportunity. Um, this time of year, most of those fish that are healthy are definitely mycees feeders. So because the mycee shrimp um, retreat uh, really deep this time of year, that's where the char are. Um, so that kind of, that makes it fun because now, um, it's been a little bit of a different opportunity. We're, we're targeting fish now, um, as deep as 190 feet. And so just a couple of little methods and some stuff we're doing is giving us the ability to, to get above those fish and catch them that deep. So, I mean, that's kind of fun because it's, it's a little different. Um, uh, you know, well, like fishing, you say, a unique opportunity. Yeah. The fishing for them that deep this time of the year. You have to have some patience, I assume, but when you get into them, you catch a species that it's hard to find in the lower 48 states that aren't readily available, so you get a unique species, and you learn some techniques that can be quite quite, quite unique, I'm sure. Before we, let's move on a little bit to have the brown trout now. Are you getting a spring and fall brown trout starting to return? Oh, we are. Uh, this spring, man, we, we put some, some fish in the boat in the, you know, eight, nine-pound range. Um, so... Uh, that's definitely something that, that, you know, we're seeing kind of glimpses of the past on. And we got fish on coming in the boat here. Um, we've got, uh, you know, we're seeing some glimpses of the past with these browns in here. Um, and you've got to credit the Colorado Parks and Wildlife for supplementing this lake with boards. We've been, we've been getting hundreds of thousands of little fingerling trout stocked um, through, throughout the uh, open water season here. And so that's been a, a forage supplement for those browns. And that's probably, you know, more than 50% of the reason why we're seeing kind of a rebound. But um, with these Arctic char um, coming in here and naturally reproducing and they're having babies, um, the browns are also have um, some forage in there that they didn't have before either. So we're getting, um, we're getting, present- we're getting live action. You're catching fish right now, right? 
That's right. I've got I've got uh, three kids on the boat, two and a half, age two and a half, four and seven, and um, aunt and uncle and mom and dad. And we're just out here slaying some rainbow trout, having a good old time. We only have a couple minutes left, so let's take and talk about what you do in the summer. Now, the browns are more accessible in spring and fall. Not that you can't catch them year-round, and there's some nice ones. The char are accessible year-round, but again, colder water and ice fishing. And we'll get you back on as we get into the ice fishing season and talk about that. But during the summer, you get a lot of tourists up there, and you actually guide out of pontoon boats for the rainbow trout, the stalkers. And people kind of, first they think, what? And you think, well... But those people that come up there on vacation probably aren't experienced anglers. They've got kids. They want to catch some fish. I think people in the metro area need to come up. It's just not that far of a drive. So many of them want to take their kids fishing, and they don't know how or where. Tell us, tell them about that program. Yeah, you know, that's that's our main focus. Um, the, you know, as far as the guide service goes, it, it stays alive and well because of the tourism up here. Um you know, we've got we're surrounded by all these ski resorts, and there's just a, a heck of a heck of amount of tourism here. And so, we we cater to that, and we cater to the families. So that's the reason we run the pontoon boats, and um, we do kids ten and under fish free. So you know that helps make it affordable. If if you got a bunch of kids and you want to take them out, it, it makes it affordable. And one thing we try and do is, um, or one thing uh, we like to do is, we get a lot of. Uh, parents that come out and just say hey my kids just always been fascinated with fishing and and i don't know anything about it and i've never done it before and it's always real nice to uh, get them out on the boat and help show them how they can facilitate the, the sport for their kids why don't you for, tell for me that's the kind of one of the most important things well that's one of the reasons i love getting you on randy because i'm evangelistic about getting kids on the water i think it brings so much just getting kids outdoors we have a saying buy them a tackle box not an xbox and get them outdoors. Uh, so, yeah. Randy, I got to let you go, but why don't you tell people how they would get a hold of you if they want to take advantage of your ice fishing trips, the fall, spring char trips, but especially these family trips with the kids. Yeah, you can uh, hit our website at fishdillon.com. Um, that's pretty much the best way to pick up some information and get all the contact info. You could you could call me directly right here on my mobile phone at uh, 970 Four eight five nine five six zero, and uh, yeah, kids ten and under fish free, and we do military discounts, and we do everything we can to make it affordable, and and uh, just just do what we can to help open up the opportunities for for uh, people to come out and enjoy some fish out here and, and enjoy the reservoir. Well, hopefully, people will uh, come up and take advantage of that. Um, you can this podcast will be on one zero four three the fan on my page if you want to get that information again, and uh, just you know. Dylan, give the website again. Uh, fishdylan.com. All right, my friend, we will talk soon. We'll get you back on before ice fishing. All right, Eric, Terry, appreciate it. I got to give a big shout-out to my biggest supporter, who is uh, Valley Country Tackle and is Colorado's uh, longest-running, oldest tackle shop located up there um, behind Cherry Creek Reservoir on Parker Road. Louise is so, a very good friend uh, of mine. I've known her for years. Thank you. Isn't, isn't she awesome? She is. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Terry. Have a good one. All right. We're going to wrap things up here in Terry Works from Outdoors. But before, we're going to be the two guys coming on after me, before I even introduce them, I got to tell you that I feel personally responsible for their success. One of them was the first one to ever guest host my show along with Chad LaChanche, which skyrocketed his career. And the other one started 
by doing Saturdays after me. So he had such a great lead in that he got to be known. So, of course, we're talking about uh, DMAC. And then another, what was your name again there? Uh, oh, Mr. Yeah, Mike, Evans. Mike Evans. Uh, yeah. I, I know it's been a while. Yeah, and there we go. And there comes Mr. DMAC. You know, I feel personally responsible for the success these guys have had. You put two careers on the map, which uh, for probably most people listening, they're probably cursing you more than they're yeah. thanking you. <laughs> hey, guys, I got to get out of the way. Um, I've got. I've been listening real hard. And a great new show, by the way, DMAC. If, um, you know, you and uh, I, I've uh, shared radio time with your new partner, Myself, the longest tenured Bronco other than John Elway on the show. And you, my friend, are the, uh, you came in here, I started in 1998, and you came in like a few months after yeah, I did. Yeah, literally, like we were at the same time, 21 yeah, we, years. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think the only one here longer was Sandy Clark. That's it. Yeah, so it's, it. been a, it's been a great run. One quick question that I know you guys, something going on out at My High Stadium something, or something. Yeah. You guys got things to talk about, but... A quick impression. I I heard the offense was struggling, struggling. The last couple days looks like they took off. Is that what you're seeing? Yes, it's getting better. So all those all those dire talk of uh, this offense. So you is mean the first stink. day of three, first three days of training camp, we're not writing them off for the year. Well, for six days of training camp, we write <laughs> all right. Them right I got to get out of the way. You guys got plenty to talk all about. Right. Tune in every Saturday to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and uh, follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. But stay tuned for two great. Great, great sports guys as they talk about. I heard there's a football team in town they're going to talk about on 104.3 The Fan. Yeah.